Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to A Thousand Tiny Steps. In this podcast, I share my stories of love, loss, triumphs, and tragedy as I continue to trace my steps backward and ponder what led to the death of my daughter, Molly. If you're ready to laugh, cry, shake your head in disbelief, or simply listen, and tie, buckle, slip on, or lace up your shoes, and join me as we begin our A Thousand Tiny Steps. Hey everybody, Barb Higgins here, welcoming you to episode 98 of A Thousand Tiny Steps. So by the time you hear this, it'll be July 20th or so when you're listening. It's the first week of July right now, but I haven't recorded an episode in a month. For Track Camp, I recorded several ahead. The last one I recorded was last week's episode, the interview with Libby, and that's it. I haven't been on, I haven't been looking at myself in a Zoom meeting, recording a podcast since the beginning of June. So June was everything it promised to be and nothing at all that I expected, if that makes any sense. I had two weeks of track camp instead of one due to the weird way schools let out around here. I don't think I'll do that again. Two weeks in a row was really extremely difficult for staff and for the two-week campers. By the end of the second week, those kids were ready to be done. And the beauty of track camp is it ends before you're ready for it to end. So you just always think it's wonderful because you never get sick of it. It's not long enough. But I have to say... All in all, the experience was amazing. And I had an amazing staff. You know, these kids come and work year after year and they don't make a ton of money at it because there isn't a ton of money to be made. Contrary to popular belief, Barb's track camp is not a cash cow. <laughs> not at all. And running it through the foundation makes it better because it's so charged and fueled by Molly's energy. Molly loved track camp. She loved everything about it. Gracie and I get a huge kick out of looking at t-shirts. You know, we Every year you make a t-shirt at Pratt Camp and we tie-dye them and then we write things on the back. And Molly wrote some of the funniest things. She was just into it. She was just completely and utterly invested in track. So it's over. That was a big part of June's track camp. Going into June, I thought I got this new journal the next 90 days. And 90 days is kind of a significant number in the life of, a, of an AA alumni, Alcoholics Anonymous, because... A lot of people get sober by attending 90 meetings in 90 days. And your first 90 days of sobriety are considered significant. And so I saw these journals and you get a year's worth, you know, they're roughly three months. So you get four of them and that would take you through about a year. So I filled it all out in pencil, smartly, starting June 1st. And my mindset, my thought was that I would make these lifestyle changes heading into track camp. And, and then as June arrived and I realized how much I had to get done ahead of track camp, before I could even begin to work on track camp, I realized that that was just unrealistic to make big dietary changes, try to exercise every day, to, to just bring all these things into my life. It made no sense. So I didn't, June was just a month of eating like crap and working out whenever I could and drinking as much as I felt like it. And I don't miss any of it. Sometimes it's easier for me to quit when I've done too much. June ended on the last day of track camp and then it became July. And so July 1st, I started a couple of things. And if you read my blogs or see my lives, you know all about it. Because by the time you hear this, I'll be 20 days in. So I'm doing the Hard 75, which is a guy named Andy Frizzella. He put together this program called the Hard 75. And he has a pretty, pretty interesting background. If you were from New Hampshire, you would have grown up in either Manchester or Nashua and not on the nice side of either town. He's just sort of a hardcore blue collar dude is how he comes across and he doesn't pull any punches. But for 75 days, you do these six things and have them by themselves are overly stressful, but all together, you have to really plan your day to get everything in. So you abstain from alcohol, you drink a gallon of water. So here's my big giant 40 ounce water bottle that I drink three of anyway. <laughs> Choose a diet and stick to it. 
You exercise twice a day, 45 minutes each, and one time is outside. You read 10 pages from a book and it can't be like a fiction book. It needs to be a self-help book or a textbook or maybe a religious book, something that's going to help you and infuse your life with motivation and spirit. And then you take a selfie every day. And if you both, if you miss one of these six things, you start over at day one. So this is also reminiscent of AA and it, and actually this aspect of it receives a lot of criticism. What does one day matter? You still have all those days ahead and all the days after. You know, why should one day matter? And it doesn't have to matter. Don't choose this type of thing if you don't want the one day to matter. If you want to be able to have a screwed up day or a day that you don't fulfill your promise and then you get back to it when you're ready, I think that's the lesson here. A lot of successful diets have a cheat day because anyone can diet for six days knowing that on day seven, they can eat whatever they want. And these diets can be incredibly successful, but you're not setting a goal and sticking to it. And so if you have big plans or you want big things to happen, Sometimes you have to stick to a goal. So of course, everyone imagines that the, the avoidance of alcohol will be the hardest thing. Well, that's what people think of the most. So it's the last thing you want to do. You don't want to screw up what you drink, right? So I focus on that a lot because come four o'clock in the afternoon, I really want to drink. Although that does get better each day. So most people goof up on the selfie, taking the selfie, which I imagine is because it's sort of a mindless thing. But it's not just like a headshot selfie. You have to make sure your body shows and I have this little routine I do on a video, and so I can screenshot a selfie out of it if I like. But every day, that little video is sort of the same little routine. At any rate, so as I record this, it's July 6th. So far, so good. So the other piece for me is the dietary piece. Also, if you've been listening to me or following me recently on social media, you know that I hired a friend of mine, Jennifer Laney, who will be a guest very soon on this show. And she just started a business called The Get Better Girl. And this is another one that People want to feel better and we live in a quick fix society and this is not a quick fix, but I had to go through all of this testing, which I did at home. So it took me forever. I received everything in the mail at the beginning of May and I didn't submit my last round of testing until like the middle of June. It took me a month and a half, six weeks to get this all done. And just before track camp, we met for two hours, two hours. We sat and talked about what was wrong with me. And it's not that anything is wrong with me. The human body is just a library of information. It tells you everything you need to know about you, why you feel good, why you don't, and what you can do to fix it. It doesn't require buying pills other than supplements. And that's why I think in America, these types of things are difficult. We live in a very consumer-driven society. The Food and Drug Administration sells you unhealthy food that makes you sick so you can take the drugs that mask the symptoms. You keep eating the food, you stay sick, you hide the symptoms, you feel great, except you aren't great. Things in your body are, are falling apart and it's not a healthy way to live. In my middle of the night wake-ups, which are also less and less when I'm not eating poorly or drinking, I panic about being elderly, a really elderly mother for Jack. No one in my family is elderly. I have a good 25 years before I even approach elderly. But I know how fast that time goes by. And so it makes me a bit nervous. I just panic a little bit. Like, oh, geez, you know, poor Jack is going to have this Grammy for a mother, which he already does. But I sat with Jen and went over piles, pages and pages of information words that I don't understand. And we went through it relatively quickly just so I could get a sense of it. At the end of the day, at the end of the pages of information, I had a handful of foods that are shown to cause inflammation in me. And so I have to avoid them. And it's sort of a random mix of foods. Soy is on there. Wheat is on there. Strawberries, raspberries, pears, mustard, onions. For 90 days, I can't eat these foods. Also for 90 days, I have to give up four major areas. So sugar. So I have to give up sugar. 
that's harder than you think because everything had sugar in it. And really the most successful way for me so far is just to not eat any processed foods. Any sugar I get comes in the apple I'm eating or the banana, right? I'm just not eating anything that's processed at the moment. So I have to avoid sugar. I have to abstain from wheat. So nothing with wheat. So that's any kind of bread, but you'd be amazed what's in wheat. Lots of granola has wheat. So I have to abstain from that. I have to abstain from dairy. So eggs are not dairy. People think, oh no, no eggs. No, eggs Eggs are a protein. So it's a protein and fat. They're not a dairy product. Although they get listed under dairy, which is bizarre to me. It's like calling a tomato a vegetable. It's a fruit. So I can't have dairy. So no milk, no creamer in my coffee. And then I can't have alcohol. So those four things, that's sort of my diet. And what I'm doing around it is I'm just avoiding unhealthy food right now. So this is tricky for me. I love a big bowl of yogurt with fruit in it after dinner. That's my dessert, no yogurt for me. So I have to find other ways to manage this. The other thing I need to do is follow a macro-based diet. So I don't have to weigh my food or count macros at all, but I have to eat all three areas of macros every time I eat. So that's protein, fat, and carbs. I'm supposed to have 40, 40, 20, 40% protein, 40% carbs, 20% fat. So what does that look like? It would look like a piece of chicken, big salad, you know, a helping of salad, some rice, and then olive oil poured over everything. Olive oil is the source of my fat. I could probably also put some egg in there for fat. And then protein is the chicken and the carbs are the veggies. No processed carbs, limit on starches. So this diet looks to me like a paleo diet. It's a diet a lot of CrossFit athletes follow. For me, the most important piece of the diet is single ingredient foods. It's very, very easy to eat well if you don't eat anything that somebody put together for you in a factory. If you're going to make something with more than one ingredient, make it yourself, which means I just will eat single ingredient foods because I hate cooking. Wood part's been easy for me. The alcohol has been easy for me so far. The water has been a bit more challenging than I thought because I underestimated how many ounces were in a gallon. I mean, I've, I've had a gallon every day, but it's 128 ounces. That's a lot of water. I'm using electrolytes in the water, which makes it much more easy to drink. And then the selfie, I had to get out of bed the other night to take. I almost fell asleep without doing the selfie. So we'd have to start over. <laughs> I wouldn't have been too happy about that. So anyway, I have two things going on, right? I have the 75 hard and I have the 90 day, really, really strict, rigid purification, sort of get everything out of my system that might hurt me diet. So that I can see how I, in fact, really do react to foods that show up as inflammatory for me. I will say I had, a, I had a wonderful conversation with a guy named Austin at my CrossFit gym. So I coached a class at noon in Amesbury, and it's all these really fit guys. I've talked about them before. And Austin and I talk and talk and talk. And we talked a lot about how fun it is to experiment and find things out. He goes, I would love to have all, all that information about my body, because then you know what to put into it and why you feel the way you feel. And so we had this amazing conversation about it. So that's where I am right now. I'm not even a week into it. So it all seems like a great idea right now. My birthday's in the summer. We might go to Disney in the summer. I love sitting outside on a hot summer night and having a cocktail at a bar. I can't do any of these things. Now, so what? I mean, really, so what? I did seven years of sobriety in AA. I can live without alcohol. And once, once I'm just sort of done with it, I think I'll be fine. This is where my head goes sometimes. So... This is a lot of looking at myself. What this is making me do is schedule my day. And this has been a problem for me. I run around from one thing to the next. I wake up in the morning, so overwhelmed with everything I'm behind on, that I can't make a schedule that works. 
And today really isn't any better. I kept thinking, oh, I have to track camp. I'll do my schedule. Well, I'm trying to do my schedule. And every day I think I'm a little bit better at it, but I still feel a bit frenetic. My sister Eleanor is in town. So I, I knew this, but last night, this is sort of a yay barb moment. She's like, we've arrived. Can we stop by and say hi? And we were just having a terrible night. Jack was fussy. It's the middle of the week. I'm tired. I want to go to bed. Kenny's cooking dinner. The last thing I could do is entertain anybody. She has her boyfriend with her. I don't want to, you know, it's not like she can just come and sit and play on her phone by herself. So I just said, you know what? It's just chaotic here right now. I'm about an hour from going to bed. She was fine with it. There's a part of me that wouldn't have said no, even as little as a month ago, because I just don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. And so I didn't. I said, yeah, I said no. And I didn't hurt her feelings. So I'm going to see her today. But again, I had my day set. And then Eleanor's here. And I don't want to not see Eleanor. Eleanor, if you're listening, please don't feel bad. This is just my life, though. I'm always such a step behind that anything that alters my plan stresses me out. So this whole hard 75 hard thing, I have to make sure I get all these things done. So I have to think about when I'm going to work out and what that's going to work around and what do I need to do when to make that happen. It's incredible. Sunday, we're driving to New York City to, to see Derek Taylor on Broadway. And that's an early morning leave and a late morning arrival at home. I have to do two workouts. I'm not going to lose my day. So it'll be interesting to see how I, how I managed to do that. This is a very inward thought. And where I'm at right now is pondering a couple of things that I've noticed, both from my experiences at track camp and then from my conversations at the CrossFit gym yesterday. You know, I hadn't been at CrossFit coaching for a good two and a half weeks. And so when you step out of something and then step back in, you see a lot of things. And then along with all that, it's Molly B scholarship time. I had to, you know, present 13 Molly B scholarships. I had to record a video at RB Productions because we're the company sponsor and I have to talk about Molly. We have the Spirit of Molly B Award at both Runlet Middle School and Christmas McAuliffe Elementary School. All of these outward things that I do through the Molly B Foundation to keep her memory alive and to help people. And now I'm doing this very, very self-centered thing, totally paying attention to me and my needs so that I feel better. It's like a sort of a typical barb juxtaposition, I think. To choose the Molly B Scholarship recipients, I have to read through these application letters. And the students are applying for all manner of scholarships, not necessarily Molly's, which is nice because if they have a criteria they have to follow, they're going to write to the criteria and maybe become a bit hyperbolic. That's my new favorite word. <laughs> Describes hyperbole which is a word I learned from Coach Lydia. It means when you over-exaggerate the something, make a point. So one of the applicants talked about living a life of service. Quoted Gandhi, and I'm going to mix up the quote a little bit because I didn't write it down, but essentially the essence of the quote is as follows. When seeking to find oneself, the best way to do so is to lose oneself in service to others. I'm going to pull a KK here and say it again. In honor to find oneself, if you're looking to find yourself, the best way to do it is to lose yourself in service of others. And so I thought, I just thought, I wish we had a political reality and a government that felt that way. I wish we had political parties that didn't oppose one another because they both felt that way, right? Like, it's like that story of the two pots of stew and the people sitting around them. And in one room, they're all starving because they can't feed themselves. And in the other room, they're all well-fed because they're feeding each other, right? seek to serve and better those around you, you better yourself. And it sounds all hokey and fluffy sometimes. And when I'm in a bad mood, I could, I, I, I'm just not even there. But I got to thinking about this. So I, so every year track camp provides its challenges. Yes. This year, one of my biggest challenges were some of the parents. Now, I don't want to 
I'm not going to name anybody because I know that we're all doing the best we can. But I had some complaints from parents and I had a parent yell at me, pull me aside and yell at me in front of 50 kids and a slew of adults. Because this person assumed, I don't know what he assumed, but he was angry, angry, angry at me. I hadn't been yelled at by an adult in front of people in a long time. I didn't even know what to do. It kept me awake at night for like three days. And I thought, what is wrong with people? And then my staff, I had a wonderful staff, but I had a handful of them that were so caught up in making sure that their agenda was met and acknowledged. That was more important than the fact that they weren't there for them or their agenda. They were there for the kids to give the kids a really good time. That's the only agenda. It was that piece. And then I had a handful, two or three campers, and they were older, you know, middle school age. And when I think of COVID and the effect it's had on different age groups, the younger kids at COVID are really struggling because they have just a complete pause in development. And I had a couple of campers that said the most god-awful things, mean, mean things. And it just made me, it just got me, really upset me because I know these aren't bad kids. They had to hear that stuff from somewhere. And then they had to decide that, that it was okay to turn around and say it. So I remember when social media first became a thing, there was this thing called AOL Instant Messenger. I think I've talked about this before. And everyone would go home and log into their computers and talk to each other on AIM, AOL Instant Messenger. And they would post things there and then the world could see them. And of course, this kind of conversation was new. I think it's like how my mother felt when, when everyone suddenly had a telephone. You could have a personal conversation with somebody across town. That was a new concept. And so having a private conversation with somebody in a public venue doesn't feel public because you're having the conversation in your room on your computer. And COVID kept everybody inside. And I think we all got used to communicating with each other this way, typing a message into like a chat box or posting it on a, as a social media post or sending it as an email or a text message. Nothing was face-to-face or personal. Nothing needed to be said that would have an instant reaction. You could say it and then put the device down and walk away. And you've had, you have no, no immediate consequence for what you said. Brought back a story when I was pregnant with Jack and I hadn't told anyone yet. And our school meetings were on Microsoft Teams and there was a chat box and people would just comment in the chat box. And we would try to remind them that this is a public meeting. There is no talking. There is no commenting, no asking questions until the public comment. And people just talked away as if they were gossiping privately. So I stood up to hand somebody a piece of paper and somebody texted in the chat, is Barb Higgins pregnant? So when I sat down and saw that, I immediately responded, if you were here, would you raise your hand and stand up and ask me that? Would you stand up and ask that in a meeting? Because if you wouldn't, then you shouldn't have typed it here. And by the way, this is body shaming and that could get you suspended from school if you were a student in our district, this kind of online bullying. So there was not one more comment the rest of the meeting. I mean, nobody commented on anything. I have no idea who said it. I have a couple of ideas who it might be. But that's our society now. We just think it's okay now to say these things, to say the mean thing. And then when the reaction comes to feign this horrible, like, what, why me? It just got me thinking to a lot of things. And in my podcast a week before last, I really reflected on the different communities and how we strive to connect. And that one community can be really horrible to another. When you're trying to find your place, it's easier than you might think to displace somebody else. Well, I deserve to be here. So I'm going to push you out and I'm going to be here. And it's that sort of self-centered, and it's not mean-spirited. One of the 75 challenges, reading 10 pages every day from a book that will help you. And so my first book, which I read probably 20 pages of a day, the book 75 Hard, so that I could just really get into it. And now I'm reading a book by Rain Wilson called Soul Group. 
and it's all over the news. Rain Wilson is an actor that played Dwight Schrute in The Office. He wrote a book called Soul Bloom, and it's all about why America needs a spiritual revolution. And he did a live today, and I was driving here to record the podcast. So his whole conversation was about what we're doing to the planet. And it got me thinking about the fact that I can't criticize a 13-year-old for saying a mean thing when we live in a reality, a country, that thinks nothing of decimating the planet or factions of our population. The Supreme Court rulings lately, if you aren't a white Christian male, you're in trouble in our country. Heterosexual, by the way, as well. Our government has taken this really alarming turn in trying to control reality. It's the best way. It's like massive gaslighting. That's how I feel about it. And, you know, right now we have a Democratic president, but the Supreme Court was was set up in such, in my opinion, a really, really unconstitutional, unpatriotic way to fit an agenda. And it's not a balanced, fair, truly American Supreme Court at all. I know there are some of you who are listening that will disagree with me, and please understand you have the right to disagree, but that's how I feel. Our self-centeredness is really driving us in a very negative way, and it just plays into the whole self-centeredness and how do we live a life of service and take care of ourselves at the same time? You know, like, what are we thinking when, when all these things happen? When I was driving here, what am I going to talk about? What I want to do is sort of set up conversations and things around guests that I'll have on. And so it, it's a logical thing for me to talk about this health journey I'm on because I want to have my friend Jen on here. I want to share with you all what she does, especially as I get further into this process and I can... I can have a better handle on how I'm feeling and and what improvements I'm noticing. I have a list of guests. I have people I don't know that I've interviewed. And I have a list of people I do know that I'm looking to interview. And I don't want them to just be random guests who I happen to have on this week because I want it to fit into some sort of theme. I guess that's where I'm going with all of this. So July is now taking on like a new meaning for me. May is the month to survive. Just get me through May. Molly May, Molly May. When June comes, it's like, oh, thank God, it's a bit of release. But in really pushing the Molly B Foundation and focusing on that, making the Molly B Foundation successful and focusing on that first in my professional life, June is now track camp because I love track camp. I like spending all that time around kids. I like the energy I get from children. They aren't jaded yet. They don't want to take sides. Kids really want to see the best in things. Kids want life to be fun. They don't want conflict. They want to avoid conflict. So when we play capture the flag, when fights start, they don't want to keep fighting. They find an adult to fix it. Help us fix this so we can keep playing and having fun. Why do we lose that as grownups? I don't know. So June now will continue to be a very heavily Molly-themed month, but it will be around track camp and the Molly B Foundation and creating events that can raise money, hopefully a lot of money someday, keep our foundation going to grow it. So what does that make July? Well, maybe July needs to be the barb month. It's my birthday month. I'm going to be 60, six zero. When this podcast episode comes out, I'll be nine days away from that. <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that. Oh. And I was talking with Carolina about it. So Carolina is my entrepreneurial mindset coach. And I said to her yesterday, I had no idea I would be talking about all these things when I hired you as a coach. And what she said to me was, what do you think a coach is? I've had coaches. I've had a couple of coaches. I've had a business coach. I've had a spiritual mentor. So sort of a lifestyle coach, right? I've worked with coaches and none of the other coaches I've worked with, other than perhaps Coach Ludi, 
and Coach 70. And of course, they were running coaches for me. They have delved so deeply into my psyche as Carolina has. And we talk about, I feel sometimes like I'm in therapy. It's wonderful. I talked about this on a live a little while back, and I talked about it two weeks ago. The things that come up for me when I work with Carolina and how profound they are. I talked about my propensity for being attracted to narcissists. And I don't like the term narcissist right now because it's really overused. Not everyone is a narcissist. Narcissistic personality disorder. Somebody has it, you know it. (laughs) But she said to me that I'm attracted to those kinds of people. And then she said something that was interesting. She's very big into intergenerational trauma and curing it, stopping it, stopping the cycle. And she said, I want you to make a list of people with narcissistic tendencies in your life. And there should be at least 20 people on that list. You need to think of everybody you know that you have some sort of current relationship with, even if you don't talk to them a lot. And I'm like, my family? I don't have any narcissists in my family. And she goes, step back now. Take a step back and think. And if you can't think of a narcissist based on their behavior, think of a narcissist based on what they ask of you, what they expect of you, how they think it's okay to treat you. Oh my gosh. I picked my pen and got writing right away. It's amazing. So why am I sharing this now? Well, this is the month of Bar, right? By the time you hear this, every episode that's happened this month will be somebody in my life that I care about, will be things in my life that are I'm growing and going through. It will be this one where I'm trying to balance being of service to others while taking care of myself and making myself better so that the Molly B Foundation will become a foundation that exists long after I'm gone. There is this thing in Concord called the Walker Lectures and they're once a week or once a month on Wednesdays. And they've been happening since I was a little girl. They've been happening long before I was born. And the Walker Lecture, the foundation that funds it has been around for a couple hundred years. This is what I want for Molly. (laughs) When the earth is underwater and we're living in a water world, I still want there to be a Molly B Foundation. Because I still want kids who will be living at that time to have a chance to, to pursue happiness, to have the chance to escape their circumstances and do things that heretofore in their life, only people with money and privilege got to do. That's what I want for the Molly B Foundation. And so that's kind of what July is, I think, right now. By the time you hear this, it'll be three weeks and it'll be interesting where I'm at. In listening to last week's podcast episode, or two weeks ago, the July 4th one, I said, oh, by the time you hear this, I will have eaten well for a month. Well, no. I drank a lot of vodka and ate a lot of ice cream all through June. I didn't eat well at all. So it'll be interesting to see where I am schedule-wise. But what I want to do is lay a foundation for these things. I want to be healthy. I want my body to feel good. I want to stop rushing around. I don't do relax anymore. I'm cutting way back on the, on the jumping in and saying yes when coaching shifts needs to be covered. I'll cover them when I can. I'll cover them when it fits and when it benefits me. Me being selfish, right? So that's that. I'm sweating my ass off right now. It's 91 degrees. And I'm in the McGregors don't have screens, so you can't open the windows. And it was nice and cool in here, but it didn't smell great. So I opened up all the windows. So now it's hot and I'm in this little teeny room. So I'm going to end this podcast. and I'm going to go home and jump into the fabulous big blue swimming pool in my yard and then continue my big long list of things I need to get done. So I have this little list here that I'm two episodes away from 100. I have to do some fancy thing on my 100th episode. The McGregors are coming home. This is big, exciting news. Track camp is over. You talked about that. Carolina, I talked about her. The Molly B Foundation, RB, Get Better Girl, 75 Hard, and June to July. So I covered everything on my little list. This is my list. This is how I, how I outline my podcasts. My editor is probably cringing right now as he looks at this, but that's, that's what I do. <laughs> that's how I am. 
So yeah, and then the final thing before I truly, truly end is we're about six weeks out of a book publication, I hope, sometime in September. So if you're local, follow my social media because I'll be sure to talk a lot about that. And once I have a date, I'll do a podcast episode all about the book and maybe a little sneak read of a chapter or something. So anyway, be good to yourself. The way I'm being good to myself right now is this ridiculous 75 hard and get better girl food, health, be good to your body program. Be good to someone else. I am taking infinite steps to not be so short-tempered with Jack and Kenny. And a lot of that, I think, comes from my health. And as always, have a good day, everybody. Hey, thanks for listening and for supporting the podcast. Feel free to leave a review and to share my stories with your friends. Please reach out with your own stories. I love connecting with my listeners. If you want to see what I'm up to next, you can find me on Instagram at barb underscore 444, on Facebook as Barb Higgins, and at my website, a thousandtinysteps.com. And while you're there, sign up for my newsletter, a weekly way to find out what's up in the life of Barb Higgins.